Hello and welcome to the Unidentified Podcast. I'm Teen Nguyen, a.k.a. Saigo, and I have a very special guest today. His name is Shay Springer. We were in a band together in high school. It was my very first band. Uh, him and my buddy Raymond didn't have a bass player, and uh, they told me I should go spend my uh, earnings from my first summer job to go buy a bass and become their bass player, and that's what I did. And that's how I discovered my love for performing uh, you know, in a band and performing live for people. Um, Shay now runs a studio in uh, our hometown called Sweetfoot Studios, and we talk a little bit about everything during this interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'm going to play a song uh, from my buddies in Brazil that I happened to play some bass on and recorded some background vocals and a couple of synths. It's called Materia Prima. Uh, it's a collaboration between Jeun and Mario Nonio. And it's produced by my buddy's new uh, production studio, which is called Oito Oito, or 88 Productions. So shout out to Jeung and Fernando. Congratulations on your new venture and this awesome track. And uh, here it is. Eu quero um mais puro como deve ser. Dividir aquilo que não é de um só. Me encontrar ao ponto de não te perder de vista, porque eu gosto de te ver ao sol. Entre outras coisas sinto ser normal Elegantemente a gente simplifica O tempo agradável tá especial E se eu me movimento tudo modifica Explica só o que é necessário sem satisfação E se possível não pergunte qual é o destino Sabe que eu te falaria só se eu soubesse Prefiro ir sozinho caso errei o caminho Mas eu volto Olha o que é que eu vou te dizer tudo um pouco pra poder te afastar Mas quando li de canto ainda consegui te ver Não posso abandonar minha forma de pensar Quando volto da rua, trago o melhor pra casa Minha matéria é prima, se não entende vaza Mas sei que vale a pena esperar pra saber do meu rumo E eu sumo e eu volto
Um, I'm still doing the music for uh, Bam Dad. He's this guy who does these animated movies. Uh, oh, cool. He, he has like 10 of these screenplays that he he originally wrote them to be, I think he originally wrote them to be like stage productions, but they, uh, at least the first couple, like didn't really turn out. Uh, you know, like nobody wanted to put them on as a stage production. So he was like, oh, how can I still get this turned into some sort of uh-huh. consumable media? So he uh, he realized he could get he could hire these animators in India for like five dollars an hour to, to, oh, <laughs> to do the animation. Then, what's that? This is how you ended up in India that one time. Yeah, yeah, we were we were gonna we were going. I don't know why we had to go to India to do this, but uh, the the animators, um, you know, the animators are in Mumbai, and uh, we went we went to India and met them in a Starbucks. <laughs> In Mumbai, and sat in Starbucks and watched the, this like two-hour animated movie together, <laughs> and gave them notes. Uh, I guess like the the internet connection is not great over there, so like th- that was actually in order to have like smooth two-way communication, you know, that, that actually probably was the easiest way to do it. Oh man, we're in a different world now. Yeah. Oh, you would think, but like it's still. Like everywhere we went in India, Wi-Fi and like internet was a problem. Like it was the infrastructure. It's weird how the infrastructure is over there. Like a lot of the houses don't have any kind of connection. We were in an Airbnb and like all the internet was off of like the, the guy at the front desk had his phone set to be a hotspot. And like that, that was the Wi-Fi for the entire hotel. (laughs) Oh man. Well, it's all going to be Starlink soon enough. Well, what is Starlink? I haven't heard of. Oh this. well, Elon Musk is shooting like thirty thousand satellites up into the into the sky to give us all internet and oh, wow. mission to Mars. Interesting. Yeah, I was sitting in is this uh, like I was sitting in the courtyard here the other night, and I just looked up and I saw it was like a string of Christmas lights. So they're all on the line. They're just like zipping across Starlink. Wait, they're already up there. Yeah, there's already a bunch up there. I don't know how many, but enough. Like I was sitting there for like five minutes, and it was an uninterrupted string of lights. Whoa! Yeah, it's crazy. And I guess he's gonna he's he's gonna sell it to like people at high high uh, latitudes first, because I guess that's already a challenge. And then oh. to everyone else that's underserved, and then I don't know as much as he can sell. I guess. Interesting. And it'd just be like another ISP, I guess. Yeah. It'd be like instead of Verizon or Comcast, you'd. Yeah. Interesting. That would be really cool. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like, I, like, whereas other investors, like, they diversify their portfolio to just make sure they make maximum amounts of money, he like diversifies it. So, like, it just feeds his other projects and, like, gets them closer to Mars. You know, that's all. Well, it, it's ultimately all the same the same strategy he's just got a longer view yeah like he's got a kind of a, a broader view he, he i think he's more willing to like sink money into something that's not going to make him a profit immediately with the with the goal of making a greater profit off of something that supports further down the road right. you know what i mean or maybe he just wants to die on mars maybe that's just something that's really cool for him <laughs> Yeah, he wa- he wants to go home. That's all it is. I guess if you don't save humanity, then you can't profit off of humanity. So maybe it is still all profit. 
in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in his later years, he'll be like a Ray Kurzweil kind of guy and like start uh, making cool musical instruments. I mean, he is, he is uh, uh, dating a musician, pretty cool musician. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a musician. I don't know, but I think he could make a pretty cool synthesizer if he spent like two days thinking about it. it would wonder what the music would if Elon Musk made music, what kind of kind of music would it be? It would would probably, it be uh no, he'd probably do a bunch of LSD and just make some awesome like uh I don't know, like Martian sex music. Have you heard the music that Square Pusher has made recently? Is that the algorithm thing or I don't know how the fuck he's making it. Like I it's like I'll oh, see if I can being. find a video. What's that? It's a human being. Yeah, so Square Pusher is a like a I I guess he started out as like a virtuoso bassist. Okay. But then he got really into like using his bass to control synthesizers and drum machines and stuff and then it turned into this whole I mean he's kind of in the same school as like some of of like a kind of Aphex Twins, more like glitchy, skittery kind of stuff, or like uh, uh, Venetian Snares, or what's other? Uh, oh, who are the guys that use yeah, that Wu-Tang name generator has been working overtime. Oh, yeah, right. Um, Autecker, that's the other one. All their music's like algorithmic. I don't think his is... He might be using some algorithmic generation, but like... His like the last thing I saw from him, he built these robots that play like guitar and bass and drums. And it's like the guitar robot. It's not like a humanoid robot. It's like literally he has a guitar and then he has like a, a solenoid over every for <laughs> every fret. So then he'll, he'll like feed this music into it and it's just like it's like what is a solenoid? I, I'm aware of that word, but I have no idea what it means. Uh, it, it's like a little piston with a coil around it. Uh, it's like a, like a piston. I think they have like a permanent magnet on one end and then like a, a coil around it. And when you run current through it, it pulls that magnet into the coil and makes the piston move. Okay. So like it, a lot of times when you see robots that just have like a, you know, or like, um, have you ever seen like the, 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 the add-ons for an acoustic piano that allow you to play it with MIDI? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what they're using. It's it's like they have one of those over every key uh-huh. button. Pusher. And when they, yeah, it's a button pusher. <laughs> it's a thing that goes. It's a robotic button pusher. So but he, anyway, it, for the live show where he like makes music with it somehow. Uh, well, I think he. Well, the last thing I saw was a, a music video, but I I would assume the goal is to to tour with that. It's almost like the the rock of fire explosion on. You know, steroids, like the the, the Chuck E. Cheese band. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, you never went to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid, like the. I never had, had the the birthday. I mean, you're not missing a lot, dude. <laughs> I, I feel like a, I got, like the full experience of growing up in Easton, and there's just some holes for whatever reason, you know. Oh, there was never there was never a Chuck E. Cheese at in Easton. It was like a across the bridge thing. Um, but like one of their big draws was they had this. I mean, I guess you'd call it a draw. I don't know if the kids really cared about it, but it was. <laughs> uh, 
it, like they would they had like a robotic band and it was like uh animatronic you know, uh animatronic uh, like bears and rats and oh you God. know rabbits and stuff playing uh playing instruments and yeah uh, kind of i think square pushers taking some inspiration from that but anyway long story short i think elon musk would make that kind of music <laughs> he'd find a way to make it overly complicated well i do feel like um I mean, even though automation is coming for some of our jobs, I mean, it's actually funny how it's all like, I feel kind of good about being a, a creative person right now. Mm -hmm. Like, with the, yeah, the wave of, of job losses and stuff. It's like, oh, being creative. I mean, I may be, not be making a bunch of money, but I don't know how you can replace me, you know? Yeah. Well, I think even if AI does come for creative jobs, it's going to create it's going to create uh, another market, almost like artisanal food and beer. Like it becomes valuable because it's not made efficiently. You know, it becomes like, because somebody put like their care into it, that becomes like people see value in that. So even, even when like, I think there probably will be a point where like, all the music you hear in the background of YouTube videos and like all the, the like commercials and stuff, all that shit's probably going to be written by AI at some point. Right. Because it, there's situations where it's like y you can define the characteristics you want in the music pretty easily. And yeah. like, it doesn't have to be inspired. Right. Like, you know, like it doesn't have to have a second cooking recipe videos. Like there's no reason to, yep. you know, all that, all that fucking music with the ukulele and snaps and <laughs> whistles and shit. Yeah, the whistles. I know exactly what you're talking about. All of that's going to be AI-driven. Yeah, for sure. You know exactly the sound. Apparently, that's all one guy. Um, but I think at some point, AI is probably going to write all that music. And at that point, there'll be a probably a backlash where like music written by humans will be become like a distinct market i think and uh, so i don't i don't i'm not really worried about ai taking my job
That's Ian Chang with the track Audacious featuring Kazu off of his new album, Belonging. And you guys have to check it out. It's amazing. He's a great producer and artist. Uh, you may know him as the drummer for a band called Sun Lux. And he's just an awesome guy. I'm really fortunate to have been able to work with him. And we're going to have a bunch of uh, tracks on the new Kanwakan album together. So keep an eye out. Uh, he's just one of my favorite people. So congratulations to him on the new record. Back to my conversation with Shay. What are you working on these days? I, I want to uh, know what your deal is. So basically, I have like three lives. There's like, um, there's the Saigo stuff, which is like my passion. Uh, uh-huh. so I have two albums that are coming out this year, hopefully. There's my collaboration with Kanwa Khan, mm-hmm. uh, somebody in LA. So we've been working on that for like five years. Which is wow. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I bet that's going to be killer, though. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely learned a lot and evolved a lot in that time. Like a bunch of the first few songs that we did for that collaboration are not on it because we've just changed so much, you know? Um, So definitely there are pros and cons to working with me that long, as you might imagine. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. And I have a new band here in Bulgaria called Android Ethics. Nice. And uh, that's like a band band, which like so much of my career i've just been trying to recapture like some of that excitement that we had when we were in a band yeah like and uh yeah in a long detour into like being a solo artist but um it's not as satisfying for me you know i could see that i just don't uh, i'm not i don't like pointing the camera at myself like too obviously (laughs) i'm with you i'm perfectly happy to be the guy behind the curtain like pulling the strings yeah uh, so there's that band which I'm super excited about. We just uh, started sending stuff to mix um, with my with my buddy Danny in LA, and it's I think it's gonna be awesome. Super cool. Are are you doing all the tracking yourself? Yeah, we're doing it all ourselves. Uh, we did a couple of drum sessions at a, at a studio here in Bulgaria. Cool. So I might move to Berlin and. And try to like find us some opportunities there. I feel like this album just needs to be heard by, you know, hip people. And in Europe, yeah. uh, I guess it would be London or Berlin would be my would be the most obvious choices. And then yeah. like if, if we had some opportunities, I could just you know we the guys could just fly out there super easy. You know, once this crisis is over, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that's life number one. Uh, life number two is um, doing freelance songwriting and vocals online uh-huh. so i'm on a bunch of those platforms like fiverr air gigs uh, upwork um sound better uh but fiverr is the only one that really works for me really yeah the so bam dad's been talking about using fiverr to, to hire like session musicians to do overdubs and stuff yeah rather than you know bringing people yeah, in in person uh, they, they might have some success there you know yeah i mean it all comes down to who you hire i'm sure it's a crapshoot Right. I mean, eh, that's that's part of the issue. So um, it's it's just kind of like the way that you find people, it's just through their profiles, which is like a bunch of different music that they think is representative of what you're looking for, maybe not of what they actually like. And then mm-hmm. a, a wall of text, you know, and then ratings and reviews. So at the end of the day, the only thing that 
is really easy to filter and find people through is like their ratings and reviews. So you'll get someone that's good at doing what they do, but it might not be someone that does what you like, you know? Yeah. Yep. I, well, my impression is you, you probably have to try like four or five people before you find the person who you're going to go with. Yeah. Yeah. It's either you can, you can either go that right route, you know, like spend less and audition a bunch of people like paid auditions basically, or ask them to do yeah. samples. Or you could try like the high dollar people, but then it's like, oh, what if I don't like it? You know? Yeah. So it's interesting to me. I, I my impression of Fiverr was, and initially the the point was that everything was five dollars. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds it sounds like it's evolved past that. Yeah, I think so. The game is uh, to just accumulate ratings, you know, and you do mm. that by working for cheap, you know, and doing a good job. And then you just eventually like raise your rates. Gotcha. And, makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's that's the whole game, pretty much. And that that's a pretty steady stream. Yeah, it's amazing. Which leads me to life number three, which is like having spent like a bunch of time doing sales, you know, like random sales jobs, and then doing random like app jobs, like you know when I was building IKEA furniture in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And in DC. And now, like putting those together, doing sales through an app and its music, uh, I've been doing that for like three years now, and it's been interesting. Awesome. So, what uh, kind of say, like is this is this like placement for like licensing or something, or like, what's the? It's usually like bedroom producers, I think, or you know, it runs the gamut. But usually, it's producers that need vocals for whatever gotcha. it is, you know. And oh, like, you're you're talking about yeah, uh, Fiverr still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So gotcha. I so gotcha. just through all that experience, that leads me to life number three, which is creating a platform to compete with all these other platforms. Oh, interesting. So I think I could do a way better job and focus on music and just like with the mission statement of like being a musician's advocate, but also focus on like sales because that's how everyone makes money, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I could do it in a much more musical way. Cool. So That's, basically uh, the idea is um, to just, instead of having one profile and putting a bunch of content into there, just having the whole site revolve around like short audio clips, which would be like tightly attached to the genre or artist that you're, that people are searching for. Mm. So just make so, it. So as a, what, as a, as a, as a potential user of this, of this app, what or this platform? What what what's an experience look like for me when I when I open up the app as a buyer or as a musician like seller? We'll say buyer. As a buyer, you you would be going there like with a, a reference in mind, you know. So either genre or subgenre or an artist like a popular artist, mm -hmm. and so you'd find that, and then that you would say like let's say uh, you're interested in Aphex Twin or I don't know like, whatever you're interested Tom Waits. You're looking yeah. for a vocalist. So you select yeah. for vocalist. You already filter it down to the instrument. And then you put in the, the artist inspiration or genre inspiration, which would be Tom Waits. And then mm -hmm. any vocalist that has a tag with uh, Tom Waits, would their, their audio sample would show up. And it would be an audio sample that they've specifically said sounds like Tom Waits. Cool. So you just and click I'm through and hear whatever you like. And then if you like it, then you go through the ordering process or whatever. And I imagine there'd probably be some recommendation, like you click on this person and like 
either be similar you right know, yeah, you could go, to like like you just go to the next one yeah gotcha. like as far as the inspiration you're saying like if you you go to tom waits if you don't find what you're doing like at the top of the screen it'll be like see similar tags like go to nick cave or whatever you know right right and you could even incorporate i guess similar to like splice do you know splice you ever uh -huh. use that yep yeah, that's the. I mean, I guess that's more focused on like already recorded content and plugins and stuff, right? Right. I would love to to partner with them actually, because basically, I want to take the convenience of the sampling websites and and bring that over to the freelancing marketplaces. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. sampling websites are doing a great job, and they've already kind of figured it out. All like except for Splice, like the the websites where you're buying beats, they all look the same. What one thing that I see like sorely lacking is like the thing that all of my clients run into is like once they have their music, they don't know what to do with it. And that's like the end of the chain for a lot of people where they like I gotta after hand them off. The master. Yeah, after the song's mastered, it's like they're like, now now what do I do with it? Like PR kind of stuff. PR stuff like uh manage uh licensing lawyers right you know how do you how do you find a competent lawyer to help you with like all of the contracts and the licensing and everything like there's this whole other side of the music industry that a lot of the uh a lot of these services don't include right and like i think that would be if if you could tie that in that would be really helpful for because it, it, you could cater not just to people who are looking for musicians, but people who are looking to build out their team. Totally. You know? I know a lot of people have music that, that is completely commercially viable, but they'll never make any money off of it because they don't know how to market it, you yeah. know, or, or how to like get it, how to monetize it in any way. Right. Um, yeah. There are some really cool services. Like I, I think I told you about sound reef, right? No sound reef. I'm going to write this down. Yeah, Sound Reef is great. They've been great for me. Um, some of my more like, some of my music in the past was, I guess, more commercial or more grocery store friendly. Right. And that's what they do in Europe is they place music in in the, like grocery stores, retail stuff like that. Oh, it's, it's like like Taxi or one of the. It's like a um, like a, a licensing library. Like companies that are that are looking for for music to place and stuff, they go there and they're essentially doing what you're doing, but they're 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 not they're marketing like already finished music to people who need music for placements right. and like playlists, you know, like you don't yeah, like they're not doing any like commission stuff. I don't think you know, it's just yeah. just providing uh, that library to people. Yeah. That could be an interesting feature on your app, though. Yeah, or we can always like partner up with people like that and create some some synergy, you know. Yeah, I guess this I mean, turns whatever, into pretty sprawling. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you do, you want to do it well, and whatever we do, like I, I just wanted to like make a platform that that people that's easier to use because I've had a bunch of friends that are super talented try to sign up for these platforms. It just takes too long to sign up, or they're not getting hired. And I think it's just because of the nature of the thing, you know, like building a profile sucks. Uh, like 
getting like cutting through the noise sucks especially when like it's not organized for people to find you based on musical things it's just like mostly ratings and stuff yeah you know? yeah so musician middle class that's what <laughs> that would be really cool if there was one right it, it, i mean <laughs> there's a tiny pocket of them now but not many <laughs> tiny right it's like either a money loser or a huge money maker for a, a tiny percentage and then the middle yeah. class is like it could be way bigger you know and i think it definitely because could of be. technology and how many people are making music now it's just it's a. Uh, it could be a real service to to the world, you know, to help people make their music, whether or not you know, it becomes commercial and you end up hiring a lawyer or whatever. It's just the act of making music. If we can, if we can facilitate that and and have people collaborate, I mean, that's a better world, right? Yeah.
That's Danny Janklo, an Elevation Band, with The Nearness of You by Hoagie Carmichael and Prayer for the Loved Ones, which is an original tune of Danny's. And that was performed live at the Blue Whale. You can go to YouTube and see a beautiful uh, video of that, uh, that particular performance. And 100% of the proceeds from the track are going to help people battling COVID-19. So go check out the link in the show notes to support that cause. And Danny's also got an album coming out soon, so keep an eye out for that. He's actually the inspiration for me starting to learn the flute. Um, I had called Danny. He's uh, my favorite saxophone player in L.A., by the way. He's so amazing and a really cool guy. I called him to come in and play on one of my tracks, and he showed up and, and brought his beautiful Yamaha saxophone, uh, with 3D printed uh, mouthpiece and I don't know I used to play sax so I, I was really uh, into his saxophone and uh, he listened to the track and he said this doesn't need saxophone man and I was a little bummed and he said and then he said no this needs flute and then I got ex- excited again because I had seen him play flute at a couple gigs and he is amazing at that as well and as he was recording the flute on the track, I, w- I thought to myself, wow, this seems to be the same mentality of how I layer background vocals, uh, the way that he was laying down the pads and, and just the frequency range of it and how it functioned in the arrangement. And I thought to myself, I need to learn the, fl- the flute. It's portable and uh, I'll be able to express myself through a different instrument than my voice if I bring it to a gig. And could be my entry into understanding a little bit more of how jazz works. So a big thank you to Danny. Um, I definitely opened up a big can of worms there, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Back to my interview with Shay. I wanted to ask, I'm turning your podcast around on you. Sure. <laughs> I, wanted, I, I was listening to some Saigo stuff the other day, yeah. and uh, I just... Well, I was like, what is the workflow that leads to this? Like how, like, 
the the sounds are all so integrated and all very curated and i'm just i'm like how how does this song start and what's the evolution like what's your process because you're you're working remotely with ken right Uh, no no um so the psycho stuff he i think of the stuff that he's produced i I don't think there's any uh, con will con produced tracks but he's had a, a hand in it as like an advisor for sure and um okay and uh i think he mi- he mixed my last track yeah so okay uh, definitely helps out like whenever possible but he's like got he's making like five albums right now you know so yeah but um yeah it, i guess it's different for every song but generally uh it starts with like a vibe right so the track like i'll make some kind of a demo and i'll be inspired by like the chord progression or the way it sounds or something and then mm-hmm. i'll as soon as possible after I'm, I have that inspiration, I want to get as quick as possible to having words. Not as not as quick as possible, but the next step. Like if I don't make a song with words for the whole song, it'll just kind of mm-hmm. languish, you know. Once it has words, yeah. it has a life, you know. Yeah. Then uh, yeah. Um, I might just continue to produce that, and then uh, finally like get the whole song together and have like a demo together. Mm-hmm. And then maybe just depending on how it's sounding, replace the drums, uh, do a bass session, whatever it needs. Gotcha. Or I'll just take it directly to like a producer at that point if it's like more of a producer track, you know, and not so mm-hmm. much of a bandy track. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the times, I mean, I'll just tell them you don't have to keep any of this, you know, just right? Because there's someone that I respect and I like the way they sound. Just mm-hmm. keep the bones of the song and do whatever you want and then after that either i re-record the vocal and it's done or maybe after that i get all the stems and i'm like you know what this is great but it needs live drums you know yeah so it's okay like you try to get inspired write the song and then it takes its own like life life path yeah i'm i'm working on um i've been working with a singer songwriter named peter whitaker for a while and it's like uh probably like four or five years now at this point. I've been working for, with him for a long time. And it's a similar process to that where he basically, he comes in with like a, just a vocal and a guitar demo usually. And then he just hands it to me. And then I end up adding all the other layers. And uh, I guess I'm the producer in that, in that relationship. But um, yeah, it sounds like a similar, similar, but it's not really another way to do it. Is there? Well, <laughs> I mean, the, I think the main dichotomy for me is like either the loop-based creation or the like me and a guitar and or a piano creation. Yeah, I guess there's a third path, which is the the like um, the band path. Oh, the band. What's that? The band path. Yeah, just yeah, where you, where you get it all worked out with a live band ahead of time, and then just come in and capture that. I really enjoy working with with bands like that. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things about working with Scribe is it's kind of it's it's like halfway between that and the like producer model where it's like he does come in with like a fully fleshed out band arrangement and we typically record things like as live as possible even even to the point where it's like the initial tracking session will be drums bass guitar and vocals and we'll keep all of it you know in the final track 
but then we might go in and add other layers of stuff as overdubs and we might replace things and restructure the song after the fact by cutting it up and you know that that that's always to me my favorite way to work because you get that live uh energy of all the all the element the core elements are playing off of each other uh in a way that you don't really get if you're just doing it layer by layer by layer especially if you're not using a click track which is like a whole nother can of worms man Actually, so I have been, we have been like jam, like the Android Ethics album was made by like jamming most of it. And then we the songs. So yeah, I totally know what you mean. At least like drum and bass, whenever possible, I want them to track together. You've got, well, you don't have to, but it really helps if you can. Because it's especially if they can sit in the room and look at each other. There's like this weird telepathy that happens that if you break that bond, like the, the booty falls off of the song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, that's why for me, jazz is so much fun to watch. Is like it's just so communicative, you know. Like, when it's done well, yeah. There's, when it's not a bunch of like Berkeley students looking at music stands, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like when it's done well, when it's the real deal, man. It's like that's the most connected two humans can be, you know, like that and dance. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. It's beyond a conversation because it, you're you're communicating these abstract feelings that don't have any words for them. Yeah, and yeah. also just like I mean, there's there, I'm sure there's tons of stuff you're not even like aware of. You know, like am, mm -hmm. am I paying attention to your you tapping your foot? No, am I aware of it? Kind of. Is it affecting me? Everything's affecting me. You know, like if yeah. you're locked in. Yeah. You know, like the, 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 I don't know, the nodding of the head, you know, like, is there something, mm -hmm. can you uh, break that down into an algorithm or something? And that's how I'm getting the groove right now. I don't know. <laughs> but there is that like communal groove going on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, I'm like taking the conversation all over the place, but you mentioned earlier that you're, you're, you're going from like your stint as a solo artist into a stint as a band I'm, I'm, I feel like in my personal music, like I'm in the, in the opposite boat where like I was in, I had pony bones for years. Um, and Sam just had a daughter, uh, uh -huh. Sam, Sam and his wife, Jamie, just, uh, they just had a daughter. So Sam like, can't really Thanks. dedicate a whole lot of time to a band. You broke up. Yeah. And with God, Yoko. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, so I, I've been in a stretch where I've, I've not had a band to play with and like I actually just had a big dry spell where I just didn't write any music, which sucked. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to pull myself out of that. Um, and I guess by default, I have to do that as a solo artist because I yeah. can't get together with anybody right now. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to get back into to writing and recording. I got a couple of songs like in, in the works. Nice. Uh, we, we, and actually before Pony Bones broke up, we had, um, we we recorded all the tracks for like a five song EP, but uh, never finished it. So I'm kind of jumping around between trying to finish that and like trying to record some of these solo things. How do you balance your like uh, work for hire stuff with your uh, with the stuff that you want to create personally? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so hard, right? Very hard. Well, because I, I when you, when you're making your own schedule, at any point you're like. 
there's never a point where I don't have a client like waiting for me to send something back to them. So like the only time that I can, like the only way I can work on my own stuff is just by procrastinating on the stuff that I'm getting paid for, Yeah, which makes it really hard, you know? And it's like, I mean, it's not an easy business to like figure out. So it's like you get there by being super hardworking and caring a lot about your clients, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, like if if you don't nurture your own inspiration, like if you don't nurture your own music, you burn out. So it's like, it it seems like in the short term, like a bad business decision to like push back paid work to do something you're not making any money on. But in the long run, if you don't do that, then you're going to start sucking at the paid work too, because you're going to lose your inspiration. And you'll just be like, I should have just gone to law school or gotten an nba or any you know if i'm just gonna end up feeling like i'm working all the time yep. and i definitely th- that's what that's what pushed me back into uh into like doing my own music because I, I went through a big spell where i was like why didn't i stay in design school like why didn't i stay in the design field you know it's like that i'd have a job with a 401k and like employer health insurance oh that's another I would- thing i want to do with my app is create retirement funds for people that's a really good idea. You know, like That's a really good idea. You put a percentage away, we'll we'll reduce our percentage and put it in there too, you know, just like an employer would do. Yeah. You could even yeah, yeah, build it into the subscription costs. It's like you have another option, you know, another tier where it's like if you pay another like $20 a month, like yeah. all, that $20 a month just goes into your retirement fund or something, you know what I mean? But we're not going to have subscription costs. It's all going to be like uh, gig based. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And and the the app takes a percentage or like a just a like a set fee or something per, per job. I think it's got to be percentage. That makes sense. Yeah, but we still have a lot to figure out. But I have some cool cool prototypes, and I'm super excited about it. But yeah, just going back to like the the work versus passion thing, like I think you just got to split it up by days because like if you try to do, I can sometimes do both in a day, but only if it's like the contract work first and then editing later, like something that doesn't require a lot of like inspiration because like, that makes sense. I use up my inspiration you, bank, you know, like you can only yeah. create like two songs a day, you know, I feel. Well, I've read. I've read that like the things that really fatigue your brain, like the things that are that that make you tired are decision making and like mode switching. Mm. So like like if like when you're mixing all day, if you're working on mixing or editing and stuff, that's just a series of decision making. Right. Even songwriting, like any kind of creative endeavor, you're just making a ton of decisions. And at the end of the day, you feel exhausted, even though you've just sat on your ass the whole day in the studio. Um, but the other thing that really like exhausts you is if you have to do like, like, like mixing and editing or just like, like setting up to record right. is like kind of your left brain. I don't know. It's, it's like one part of your brain that's not really it doesn't overlap that much with the part of your brain that you use to like yeah. when you're actually performing or when you're coming up, you know, songwriting and stuff, different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And if you have to switch back and forth between those parts, uh, that the more you do that, the faster you get ah, so tired and warming up the engine and then it cools down and then you got to warm it up again. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like the effort is just getting into that mode. Once you're in the mode, it's pretty easy to keep coasting. But like, uh, if you have to stop and then move to something else, then it takes you a while to get back into the groove. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Editing, I can do all day, you know? Um, but songwriting, I think is, is multidisciplinary in nature and there's a lot of switching, I guess maybe just the way I do it. So that just like exhausts me no matter what, you know? Yeah. So what I've been doing is like trying to set aside like days of the week where I do no like commission work and I just do the stuff that I want to do. I need to do that. Well, my, my problem is like, I don't set aside a day, Yeah. but then what happens is I, I start to work on my like own stuff oh, and I end up gone. Yeah, spending all day doing it. You can't do that the first thing in the day if you're trying to get other stuff done. It's just not going to happen. And, and then, yeah, and then I beat myself up because I was like, oh, shit, I was supposed to do that work today. And like right. I ended up just like fucking around on my own music all day. Right. And then you start so, getting yeah, that, messages, you know, you have it. You have anything for me? You know? Has oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a good idea. I'm going to maybe I'll set aside like wednesday middle of the week get me over the hump yeah refresh your refresh your batteries you know yeah or um i tried doing like set days of the week but then like life comes up you know and it's like oh but that deadline's tomorrow so i can't do it today so what i'm doing is just like um i keep a journal and Uh i just decide like the day before like tomorrow I'm not going to do freelancing work, you know, tomorrow is, gotcha. Um, you know, and then it stays flexible, but there's still like some, some commitment. Right. Yep. That's a good idea. I, I know for sure I'd screw that up for myself though. <laughs> Cause I would, yeah, I, I would, I'm really bad at just like, uh, make, making unrealistic, like, deadlines yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm super bad at that for yourself and for your clients too yeah for everything yeah Yeah, it's it's why (laughs) it was i i it's why yeah i guess so uh that's why i'm late for everything like oh i can get there at that time it won't take me that long to get ready yeah i guess you just have to make some some new rules you know like whatever you think you want to do add a certain amount yeah actually i have figured that out um however long i think something's gonna take it it'll take three times longer three times longer three times well i think that's just an indicative of how bad i am at predicting how long things will take but how about that that's generally turns out to be about true at least for me and that's probably different for different people but no, if you ask my girlfriend, that's probably accurate for me too. Like when I tell her, "Oh, I just, I just need to finish this up," you know, like I just need to record this thing. It's going to take like half an hour. It's usually like, yeah, like two an hour and a half, yeah, or two hours. Yeah, fine yeah. portal, that's for sure.
Each time we face it, bend the rules until we break it Here's a formal invitation to your private entertainment Use my hands, my body language, speaking tongues, don't have to say it Think I hit somebody, knock and lock the door, this past my favorite Let's slip off our inhibition and take off like intermission Okay, everybody places, it's not ours, but now the stage is if it hurts, right? Wanna make sure we last all night, wanna make sure it's worth the wait I've seen this one before, but nothing burns quite like the first time That's The First Time by Markets and Staso. It's a collab. Uh, Staso is the new project from my buddy Stan Jong, who produced my last track, Decadence. Now, back to my conversation with Shea Springer. It's I, Actually, you know, I, felt, I found it's really useful to have my dog with me when I'm working because he, he doesn't give a shit what I'm doing. He's got to go out, you know, once every couple hours, you know. So, like it does help break me out of, I have a really bad tendency to like focus in on something. And then the, like, I'll, I'll start, you know, working on something, one little detail, it's, you know, 2% of the project and I'll spend all day working on it. If I'm not, you know, consciously trying to like step back and check mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, working on the right thing. Well, that's why so we're ha- ha- when it really lights up your brain. Right. It's yeah, thing that does it like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm terrible at, at like focusing on most things. Yeah, I when I was working at at New Balance doing shoes, it was all just like doing graphic stuff and Illustrator, like you know, line drawing and color selection stuff, and like that was so monotonous i could listen to audiobooks while i was doing it and like my brain was like 75 percent of my brain's paying attention to the audiobook and then like the little drone part of my brain is doing the actual work i don't remember that that you worked in new balance for a little while it was like was my favorite maybe, things, man I maybe mean, a year yeah yeah they, there's two two models of new balance shoes I that i designed the, the shea springer new balances man Let's see if they still make them. Hold on. Yeah. It was the 581, I think. <laughs> yeah, man. There, and there was a wide. There was a, I got to have those new balances. I love the way Nikes look, but they never work for me. Let's see. 581, the gentleman's what? Uh, athletic shoe. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. They were, they were like trail runners. They were pretty ugly, to be honest. <laughs> But they green. They gotta have forest green if it's a trail running shoe. Oh shit! Yeah, they make them. Here they are. Hold on. You drew those lines, huh? Yeah, I designed these. Uh, Let me see if I can send you a link here. Get out of here! Look at that. Those are pretty fly, man. Yeah. A little touch of orange. It was uh, hunter wear uh, inspired. Yeah, I have a pair of the the gray ones, but they're like they don't fit me. They're like sample size. 
Good. I had no idea that you were a part of the sneaker game. So, I mean, it doesn't... It, you had some room for creativity, but they have pretty strong, like, design philosophy, you know? Yeah, they, they've got, like, some guidelines that you got to follow to stay on brand. And, like, the, the way that they work, that like, the sole, the, the, like, rubber part on the bottom is, uh, like, the, the tooling... Yeah, to make a new one of those is super expensive. So they tend uh-huh. to like not make new soles very often, but they'll just design a bunch of different uppers to go with that sole. Okay. And the sole kind of defines like what type of shoe it is. If it's like a running shoe or a this is a trail runner, which is like meant to run on you know yeah. off road. It's kind of like a car. Yeah. Oh, this is like a stock market for shoes. <laughs> this website's nuts. A stock market for shoes. Yeah, your your shoe has its own ticker. NB581KGYH. Look wow. at that. Look at ah, that. That's funny. There's, uh, there's a shoe going for a thousand euros and a very ugly New Balance. Oh, dude, you would not believe the shoes that like the yeah. shoes that were valuable had oh, nothing. Because this shoe has its own fanny pack. This one, 990V3 Ultra Olive. It has its own fanny pack. Look at that, right on top of the laces. That will fetch you 1,187 euros. Good God. So the, I'll give you an example of like a real silly shoe that's worth a lot. Mm-hmm. Like there was, there's a shoe that I did. Uh, I mean, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, I mean, it just looked like a fucking Nerf football. <laughs> big, like, big puffy, like, 90s looking shoe uh and they had me do one that was all reflective you know like the safety vest reflective material yeah and did a version of that it was like a an anniversary for this shoe but apparently like its whole deal was that it was the first first athletic shoe that cost more than a hundred dollars and because of that all the drug dealers bought them just as like a status symbol oh nice so it became this like you know, it became this like weird icon of of you know, I guess like drug ghetto wealth. <laughs> yeah, drug 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 dealers, and simply because it was expensive at the time. Wow, it had nothing to do with how it looked. It was just like they were like, "What's the most expensive shoe I can buy to show off how much money I have?" <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah, not the first uh, ones to try that uh, sales tactic. Yeah, I mean, we got way off topic. We're talking about shoes on your it. music. I love it, man. <laughs> uh, I've, I have a newfound appreciation for you as a uh, sneaker designer. Oh, it was short lived, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs>
That's a song called Posledno by Trambabi and Simo, my buddies in Bulgaria. They have a new album called Vesichko en Nared, which means everything is fine. And it's made with samples from another prominent Bulgarian musician named Lily Ivanova. Back to our interview with Shay. What's life in Bulgaria like? I've never been there. For me, it's awesome. I mean, uh, just I have such cool friends here and we're making music and it's a nice combination of uh, having a music scene and having really great players, but also like small town feel, you know, it's not that big. That sounds great. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, uh, it's perfect. The food's awesome. Lots of like cobblestone streets. It's not too clean and organized, you know, it's, it's right. Like I wouldn't describe it that way at all, actually, but it's, it's nice. There's like old buildings and stuff. Like if you, if the city's too clean, then I feel like I can't like you know get wild, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So there's like still like graffiti everywhere and stuff. I don't know. There's some some cool creative energy, and then there's like a bunch of grump, grumpy old people, and uh, some some international influence too, for sure. Cool. But, yeah, I've never been to Eastern Europe at all, so I like. What's what's the cost of living like there? Is it like fairly affordable or is it um for the dollar it's pretty favorable, yeah. Yeah. I mean the cost of living in general is pretty low here. I think it's the the I think it's the poorest country in the EU, so it reflects that. Huh. Yeah, with the cost of living. I mean, I feel like the like the relative health of the economy only is helpful if you've made all of your money in a different economy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we start talking about money, I'll just get confused because, you know, like every time you start thinking about the concept of money, it's like, oh, what? It has value just because everyone else agrees. That, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't take, I don't, just don't be, take uh, me down that rabbit hole. I just want to barter uh, tomatoes. But on the other hand, I guess if you're making your money online and like a lot of your customers are in like uh, places with a more valuable dollar, I imagine that that Welcome that to well my for you. lifestyle, Shay. <laughs> That's well. I, I, like when, when I was in India, it was like I I was there for like a week and a half, and I spent fifty dollars. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. And like I, you know, ate out every meal and right. You know, took taxis everywhere and I stuff. And it was like harp too much on this whole subject because like inevitably like you come around to the fact that it's like it's expensive for the people that live there you know to do the things that you're doing but oh, yeah. this is ha- the only reason that i'm able to like to be a full-time musician is because i take advantage of these things you know um because i mean in la i would not be making enough money to like leave the house you know and here yeah. rent out a studio and just keep making music which is the whole thing, right? It's just stay in the game. Yeah. Music. Well, and that, that's kind of what I was curious about. It's like, I, a lot of times I feel like it's, it's hard, you know, like, like I'm just scraping by a lot of the time, you know, just making barely enough to keep going. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder if I could go somewhere where that's not be the case, you know? Uh, yeah. You would just have to figure out like how to stay here. Like, cause I live three months at a time, you know? Is that just a visa thing? Yeah, because I don't like actually have a, you know, I'm a tourist, you know. Um, Gotcha. So I can only stay most places for three months at a time. Some places more. Interesting. Uh, And do you have to come back to the U.S. to like 
re-up your visa or whatever? No, you just have to leave. You know, you don't have to go back to your home country. You just have to leave. Gotcha. Certain point. So right now, I'm waiting to hear back if I can stay for another three months just because of the whole pandemic, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Every, all the rules are getting bent right now. It's pretty yeah. weird. So I hope they bend them for me because there's no direct flights to the U.S. So I probably, I don't know, like, I would, I would maybe, like, end up in Eindhoven or something, you know? Yeah. Dude, go but, to Amsterdam for a while. Amsterdam's cool. Yeah, I was thinking that that's definitely on the list of places if I get kicked out of here. Um, I mean, last year, I didn't make it back into the country, and I was in geographic limbo. So that kind of prepared me mentally for what I'm going through right now. Man, I didn't even think about that, like uh, all the people out on foreign visas. Well, Jess's mom went like right when this, when the pandemic was kind of becoming the, the, you know, everybody was starting to freak out about it right before the travel ban. Uh, Jess's grandmother got sick. And so her mom went to England and uh, the, like the travel travel restrictions went into effect when she was in England. Yeah. And we were like, we don't know if she's going to be able to come back until this is all over. Right. And like she, she was able to, but it was right. just barely. She was like, she was like, there was like two other people on the airplane when she came back. Yeah. I've heard a bunch of those stories too. And it's we, like, we picked her up at, uh, at Dulles and like, she was the only person that walked out. Like we, we, we wow. went into like collector bags and it was fucking empty the entire airport. It was surreal. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, th- that's why I just want to, if I have a good situation here, I think I would just better serve to just try to stay as long as I can. Because who knows, even if they say, oh, yeah, you have a flight, you have a ticket, you can go, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you get to the airport. Well, yeah, once you get off of the airplane on the other end, yeah, you, know, you don't know if they're going to let you through security. And it's just as soon as you step foot on American soil, it's like everything's like back to full price, you know? So it's like, hey, you know what? You actually have to like stay in this government hotel and take this charter flight and that'll be like $2,000, please, you know? Yeah, like, and then you oh, have to pay for it. I have no <laughs> idea, you know? Or like, here, here, we're just yeah. this precautionary test, which will be like $2,000, please, you know? Things are nuts. Yeah, I remember when we were in England, uh, we we met up with some of Jess's like old friends and um we went to a pub and like I think there was five of us at the table. We all had two pints. I had like a T-bone steak and I think Jess and one other person had a meal. And I was getting out of my wallet and pulling out like I was expecting it to be at least like 150 pounds or something. It was like 40 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and it bought, bought five people dinner and drinks and just like and then there was no tip on top of that and i was like how how has our food become so expensive in the u.s and we still can't afford to like pay our food service workers a living wage right and the food is not like the produce isn't as good you know yeah it was good food too english food has gotten good (laughs) yeah i don't know why it has a bad reputation oh it was definitely bad for a long time Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> You're getting corrected. I think a lot of it comes from like how hard they got hit by the, the world wars. Yeah. You know, they spent a lot, it's like two generations 
of people who are used to eating out of cans. Oh yeah. You know, with no access to spices and stuff. Like oh, so two oh, the spices. You don't like, think about the spices. Yeah. How about and they that? have like rosemary and thyme, you know, but like all the exotic spices were not really curry. available for a long time. No, you can't live without curry, Shay. Can't do it. Cannot no, live without no point. What's the point? No point in it. Well, hopefully I can see you sometime in the next year, two years or something. We share a curry. I would love that. I would love right, that. Well, hey, thanks so much for uh, doing the interview and all that. Thanks for having me, man. I'm sorry it got so rambly. I don't know how we spent like 20% of it talking about music and the rest talking about whatever. Maybe that's what the people want. You know? Sure. I hope. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to the Unidentified Podcast. Uh, Stay well out there, and I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm going to play you guys out with a song from Shay's band called Pony Bones, which was recorded in his studio, Sweetfoot Studios, in Easton, Maryland. Don't you look adorable Baking cookies in your high-heeled shoes And your greasy hipster toes Rockin' in your living room But you had better things to do I sure can't blame you You're too cool for school Sure wish I could be cool too I see it's working well for you It's the old apartment walls and show Just who's in the know Tell your friends to come around When they get there, take a bow And let me seek escort you out You're too cool for school Sure wish I could be cool too I see it's working well for you Well, for you.